So today we are welcoming Molly M. Kraut-Mueller to the show. And Molly, we are so happy to have you. Thanks for joining. Could you tell us your story and tell us what you do and who you are? Yeah, so I'm the founder of Crew. It's a company that I started about a year ago, first as a side hustle, and I've been doing it full time for a few months now. And Crew helps people figure out that age old question of what do I want to be when I grow up? But we're currently focused on mid-career professionals. And we do that by offering group-based coaching programs that use principles from design thinking to help people think really deeply and intentionally about what they want from their career and from their life. That sounds so amazing. I'm wondering, how did you get to form this company? How did you even notice that there was a need for people to know who they were going to be when they grew up? I think it probably dates back to when I joined Ernst & Young and quickly realized that wasn't the right thing for me, but didn't know what the right thing was. You know, that was a, a pain point that I experienced myself and everybody around me, you know, over my career has felt that at some point. It's always present in my friends and my family and my colleagues. But I think, you know, there's a couple big moments that really cemented this for me. One of them was when I started working with a coach to figure out what I wanted to do with my career. This was during business school. And she brought so much structure and rigor to my thinking that gave me so many unlocks and really helped me think about it in a different way and zone in on what it was that I, I did want to do. And the second thing is during business school and just after, I was part of a couple small peer groups and I found so much power in those. One in particular, we would meet monthly and when I joined, it was just a group of strangers. But we were all trying to figure out what to do with our career and going through shared experiences. And it brought me motivation. It brought me inspiration to see all of the different careers that they were having. And it brought me accountability and support in really going after the thing that I figured out I wanted to do with my career coach. No one I knew was really working with a coach in that sense or really had that same peer group that acted a little bit like a personal board of directors. And I thought, oh man, I just want to bottle these things up and bring them to the world. They're so amazing. Everybody needs this. So when the pandemic hit, I had some spare time in my schedule from, you know, not leaving the house. And it felt like the right time to start prototyping what offer that combined those things could be. That's really exciting, Molly. And, and I'd love to hear more about applying the principles of design thinking to career. You mentioned that some really stood out to you. Could you share more with our listeners? Absolutely. The way I think about design thinking in careers is, I think, in, in three ways. There's the type of problem that we're trying to solve. And I think trying to figure out what to do with your career is a similar type of open-ended question that we would often use design thinking for at IDEO. Second, it's the process and the activities that we do. You know, the research and the experimentation and prototyping, the classic design thinking activities lend themselves really well to figuring out what kind of work would make you happy and, and going about testing it. And then third, it's the mindsets. You know, the mindsets of a designer are things like curiosity, collaboration, embracing ambiguity, experimentation. And I think you need all of those if you're going to really figure out what kind of work is going to make you happy. 
So there's, I find so much overlap across those two things. Happy to, to go deeper on that if it's helpful. Yeah, I'm 100% obsessed with mindsets, right? They're the lens through which mm. we see the world. And I can imagine when someone is wanting to finally discover what they want to do when they grow up and be happy and feel on purpose with it, there's that first enthusiasm of curiosity. And then there's the steps. And I loved how you spoke about research and running experiments and prototyping. Could you go deeper on these? I agree. The steps are so similar. So I think, you know, as you said, you start with that energy and I like to call it inspiration. So we'll go out and do all sorts of activities that inspire us and get us thinking in different ways and teach us new things. We'll talk to experts. We will do analogous activities that, you know, put us in a very different situation, but that has analogies to to the problem at hand. We'll talk to extreme users to figure out what they love or hate about, you know, the product or solution that we're working on. And I think that's all really relevant to careers. You have to go out into the world, have new experiences, talk to people that you don't talk to in your normal day to day, because if you just talk to the people that you talk to every day or that work for your company, your ideas are limited to the ones that are so close to home. So in Crew, we spend a lot of time getting people to think of who's someone really interesting that you'd never have thought to talk to that you could go interview about their career. We help people make a big old list of companies or jobs that could be interesting to them. And we do this in a time crunched manner so you can't be a perfectionist about it you just it's just like a brainstorm in design thinking you just have to get all the ideas on your list and then there's time later to go through and kind of reorder your list by what's inspired you know most um, inspiring or interesting to you and then what we often have people do is craft a, a cold message to someone at one of those companies that they're inspired by that is inquisitive, curious, and a bit flattering. And we do that because, you know, that's the best way to get a conversation with someone. Too often people will reach out to someone at a company right when they want a job. And it's a very transactional offer. And and that's really scary. And chances are someone's going to say no, if you're like, hey, I just, you know, I saw a job opening at your company. Can we chat about it? But if you approach someone really early in your process and you say, hey, you have a really interesting career path. I read this thing that you wrote. I found it really inspiring. I would love to learn more about how you got to where you are today and dig deeper into this blog post that you wrote. People love that and they respond so positively. And that's how you strike up a conversation with them without having to ask for a job. And chances are you'll have a great conversation because you're probably really interested in what they're doing and you can ask curious questions And one that helps you figure out if that's the kind of work that you would enjoy or maybe parts of it that you would enjoy. And you're also opening the door for a new relationship and potentially coming back to them later down the line when you do want a job and you've already formed that relationship and you can then maybe say, hey, I saw this opening at your company. I realized that a novel thought for someone who hasn't done design thinking is prototyping. People don't always understand that. And I was noticing how you highly encourage that. And so I was wondering how you invite people to understand prototyping and trying it out. We start with kind of abstract prototyping. So in one of our sessions, we have people pick a career that's 
probably pretty unrealistic, something like an astronaut, or we had like a perfume scent designer. We'd give them, you know, a few fun options. And we say, all right, say you wanted to become an astronaut. How would you go about designing some prototypes or experiments that would help you figure out if you would like being an astronaut without actually becoming an astronaut. And people get to, you know, they get together in, in pairs or threes or with the whole crew and they do a little brainstorm and they say, well, if I was going to be an astronaut, I'd have to wear a spacesuit for many days in a row. So I guess I could find my ski suit and I could wear it around my house for five days in a row and see how that feels. <laughs> or, yeah, or, you know, well, I guess I'd have to eat the same food every day for a few weeks and it's probably like freeze dried. So, you know, I could, I could test that out and see if I can live off really bad food or live with the same couple people for a really long time and no outside contact. You know, these are silly ideas, but they get you in the mindset of, how do I break down this big job into the components of it? And of course, a good way to figure out what the components are is to interview someone who has that job and then figure out how you can test those for yourself. And, you know, you're not going to get a perfect answer, but you're going to learn something. Yeah, I was going to say, I would love to become an astronaut and I've never thought about experimenting to do so. So now you've got me thinking like, what would I need to do? Um, and I also feel like we've all basically been prototyping how to be an astronaut because we've all been living with the same people for the past year and a half. One of the whole reasons it's called crew and that we do this in groups is because another designer mindset is collaboration. And I find that so powerful in helping people get through what can be a really scary, ambiguous process. You know, job hunting can be really hard and really scary and there's a lot of unknowns and often you don't even know how long the process is going to take or where it will take you. And so the crew is so important because everyone's going through the journey with you. You're, you know, navigating the highs and lows together. You can boost each other up. You can normalize those feelings and just have, you know, more fun with it. I just saw a graph this morning that was showing the amount of freelancers over the past, like since the 50s, has just skyrocketed exponentially. And I feel like, you know, oftentimes when people are working at a job and they're not satisfied, it's like they don't have the capacity to think beyond the job, right? So they're, they feel like they're stuck and they feel like they're under the gun of whether it's management or just the culture. How do you get people to see that they have permission to sort of make these types of decisions for their own career path in the first place? I love that question. It's really core to this whole thing because you're so right. It's so hard when you're in the midst of a job or a pandemic or life to remember that you have agency over your career. So it sounds so basic, but the thing that I hear maybe the most from our crewers is just having the structured time built into your week that ensures you think about these really important things that's so valuable to them. You know, almost, I think they, you know, they love our curriculum and they love our coaches and they love their crew, but they really value the fact that every week or every couple weeks, they have dedicated time, facilitated time to think about this. Cause otherwise we just don't, no matter how much we try and how much we say we're going to commit to it. You know, I'm very guilty of that. Unless there's a structure in place, you know, I'm not going to spend time on, on important things like this. So I think joining a crew gives you that structure and accountability. And then 
yeah, I think, you know, the crew gives you the motivation and the support. The coach brings a lot of rigor and structure to your thinking and can oftentimes, again, normalize whatever that thing is you're feeling and remind you that they've seen this a million times and they know how to help people get past your particular hurdle. So I think, you know, setting aside the time to focus on this, having a board of directors around you who can motivate you, a coach who has the expertise to help you navigate the thing that you're going through. That's And then, of course, design thinking is the foundation for the curriculum, which makes you think about your work in a very different way than, than you do day to day. That's kind of our secret sauce that helps people get past that. I have a question around what you have been noticing recently. In the U.S., there's a lot of articles coming out around the great reassessing. So we've just gone through a period of great change on a global level, and it's created a tremendous amount of change internally where people are discovering their core values and what matters to them and what they don't want to do anymore. And so this big reassessing is being experienced in everyday life and also in careers. What are you experiencing? What are you noticing in the last several months or as we go towards this next fall? I'm definitely seeing that. A lot of people are coming to me. They're emerging from the pandemic and from that kind of scared state of like, oh, not ready to make a big change, you know, until things settle. And we're moving into this state of like, okay, I'm feeling more confident about the world. And wow, I, you know, wow, my current work or situation doesn't align with my values or who I want to be. I think there's still don't exist that many products or services or solutions to actively help people figure that out. And so a lot of people come to crew and they are like, oh, this, you know, I was hoping something like this existed, but I didn't know where to look. And so I'm hoping that a, a lot of people are, are, you know, trying to tackle this, like you guys, you co- amazing coaches. And a lot of people can find the support they need to figure this out because um, it's really hard to do on your own. So yes, I'm seeing a lot of that. I think it's part of a bigger narrative that goes beyond the pandemic. I think, you know, over the last couple decades, the nature of work has changed dramatically and it will continue to change. We're living longer. Our careers will go longer. We have more flexibility. And I think we can expect that most people will change. You know, they'll change jobs every few years, but they'll change careers several times across their lifetime. And so I expect this kind of realignment or recalibration to not just be something that happens at the end of a pandemic, but something that people face, you know, every few years. What would your ideal future look like for people as it pertains to their career? Like, can you imagine the future of what careers could look like 10 years from now? Wow, what a fun question. For me, it comes back to agency and empowerment. So I think the the big hope is that Everybody knows that, you know, of of course, not always. Sometimes you have to take a job for financial reasons or for the health insurance or, you know, because you just had a kid and you, you need somewhere stable to be. But in the moments where you can experiment a bit more, I hope that everybody feels empowered to do so. My vision for crew uh, is that this type of intentional check-in becomes an annual ritual, kind of like how in the U.S., 
You go to the doctor once a year to make sure everything's still working, make sure you're still healthy. My vision is that we do that with our careers. And, you know, on some cadence, maybe annually, you would do a check-in with a coach or with a program like Crew. You'd, you know, assess if you're still happy, if your work is still checking enough boxes to keep you there, what tweaks you might need to make to bring more fulfillment or bring more meaning. Often that assessment will just lead to a couple tweaks in, in your current job, but sometimes it might lead to you changing jobs or changing careers. But just more of that intentional check-in and more group support to help us all feel empowered to go after what we really want. One thing that I'm seeing that I love is a lot of people are realizing that you don't need to give your day job 100% of your effort 100% of the time. That might sound bad, it might sound bad to employers, but that's a really important thing for people to learn because it's just healthy. You know, your your job isn't 100% of your life and there are other things that can bring you meaning and joy outside of your work. So again, being intentional about what's right for you in that moment, maybe it, it is right that you give it 100% or 110%, but a lot of people are realizing that they can give their day job 80 or 90% and carve out that extra time to do things that bring them joy outside of work, that further their learning, that help them experiment with different careers, or that are just you know relaxing and fun. What are some things that you've noticed in your careers that these gems that you wish you could share, particularly for those who are starting this journey, because you've now seen it so many times? Yeah, I love that question. A few things came to mind. The first is something that I wish I'd known when I was graduating from university, which is that no job is forever and no career is forever. You can always change. You know, even when I was, I had a CPA, I had a master's in accounting and I worked in a public accounting firm and I thought I was totally pigeonholed and all I could ever do for the rest of my career would be accounting. And that was simply not true. Um, nothing's permanent. You might not be able to jump to your dream job in one step, but you can get there in a few steps. So think of everything as kind of a step towards the next thing. And also everything you do can be used as part of your career story. I heard Brene Brown on a podcast recently, and she brought up this concept of nothing wasted. And I thought that was a really great term for something that's always bubbling around my mind, which is even the jobs I've taken that I really didn't like, for example, you know, eventually my auditing career, it led me to the next thing. And there's been a million moments since where I've looked back and said, well, if I hadn't done auditing or if I hadn't done that time at EY, I wouldn't have done this really cool thing that I'm doing now. And everything I've done has, has kind of led to the next thing. And so this concept of nothing wasted, you're learning from every experience you have and everything can become part of your career story that helps you get to the next thing. That's something that I would love for everybody to know. I hear a lot from students, especially that they want the answer right? Like, mm -hmm. tell me the three things that I need to do to have the successful career for the future. And I feel like what they're really asking about is, like, how can I feel safe? How can I feel safe making the choices I'm being asked to make for a future that is so new, right? Just coming out of school with so much structure, and now I'm about to enter a space where there's no structure, and it's all up to me. 
So what are ways that for people who are really young, like just starting their careers, what are ways that they can implement safe risk-taking? You can always try things while you have a job. So you could take the safe option, but tell yourself, you know, every weekend I'm going to spend time working on my startup idea or I'm going to write a blog post that helps me explore a different space. So these are, you know, a couple ways that you could be learning and experimenting while still working full time at your day job. I'm also wondering, I mean, you have a full time day job and you're starting uh, you turned your side hustle into a new business. So from your perspective, how were you able to fit that all in? Well, the pandemic really helped. Um, you know, I it, it did help to start when you couldn't socialize at all. Um, but And working from home also helped because it eliminated a lot of commute time. But I think, you know, the key for me was finding something that I was so excited about. And surrounding myself with a couple people who shared my passion and just starting really small. When crew started, I just said, we just need to test the basics. Will people come together on Zoom for two hours every three weeks? And so I literally just got, you know, the first crew was just my friends and friends who hadn't met each other before. And they came together, you know, every three weeks and they met each other. I tested our coach. I tested how we would do crew over Zoom. And I tested our curriculum. And it was just a really tiny, pretty safe way to start. I learned so much from that. And it worked. And I thought, okay, well, now I feel confident enough to test this with some people who aren't my friends. <laughs> and I just built it in really small steps from there, always testing the next thing. Then once I felt confident about that thing, moving on to the next and it wasn't so much work that it was cutting into my day job. It, it was a pretty good side hustle for a while. And then when it started to feel like it was becoming really exciting and like maybe it was time for me to go full time on it, instead of quitting my day job, I asked for a sabbatical. So that was another way that I kind of created a safety net. I'm still on sabbatical. So if crew fails in the next few months, I... I'm very happy to to keep, you know, stay with my day job that I do really love. And then if, you know, crew takes off, then I'll leave the nest after I've proven the concept. Tracy and I often speak about managing, you know, the nervous system. Everything is about managing the nervous system. And so by having that excitement and that creativity and taking that big step and also doing it in its simplest form, the next logical step, and then moving forward. So you're doing it when you're still safe. So there is no freeze response. It's really pure creative. And and I love that. And it reminds me of another designer mindset, the embrace ambiguity mindset. If I hadn't learned how to embrace ambiguity through design thinking, I think I would be a very nervous founder. But I've just done a lot of projects where you're, you know, there's moments where you really don't have things figured out and it feels really scary. And once you've been through that a few times, it's still hard, but at least you remember that there is a way out of the toughest problems. And thank goodness for that, because that happens, you know, daily as a founder and you just have to embrace the scary and hold on to your confidence and your memory that things will get better. Yeah, I feel like when people feel that ambiguity, they interpret it as being a mistake or wrong. 
And so how do you help people feel that, no, this is actually a natural part of the process? I feel like it's easy to say that, but it's really hard to remember it when you're in it. It's so true. Again, I think that comes down to the three ingredients of crew, which is the curriculum, which you know, talks about that. And so you have this constant reminder, you're seeing it in the content that you should be feeling this way at times. You have your coach who's, you know, guiding you through it and again, reminding you that it's normal. And you have your crew who's right by your side, totally motivating you to keep going. One thing that we have people do at crew is a calendar audit. So we'll have you look back at your calendar for the last week or two and also look ahead at your calendar and do a bit of an emotion check on which activities that you did or that you're expecting to do soon are filling you with joy, are filling you with excitement, are maybe bringing dread or boredom, which activities in the last few weeks have put you in a state of flow I think that's one, you know, relatively easy, quick check-in you can do with yourself to start to clue in to what you might want more of or less of in the future. There's loads more activities that you could do in a great book if you want a bunch of great activities is Designing Your Life or Designing Your Work Life by Bill Burnett and Dave Evans. We've definitely pulled some of their amazing activities or versions of them into some of the stuff that we're doing at Crew. Any last words of wisdom or tips and tricks that you think would be important for people to know? One thing that we we haven't touched on yet that I think comes into the mindfulness topic is being aware of when the choices you're making are truly for yourself or when they're motivated by external factors like what will my parents think or what will my peers think? And so... I would just really encourage people to, again, you know, always do check-ins with yourself and, and try to drill down to your true emotions and figure out not just what kind of career will look good or what kind of career will bring you a lot of money. Some Those things are important. You know, I'm not discounting that those can factor in, but they can't be the only thing. And so I'd encourage everybody to be intentional, take the time and dig deep to figure out what matters to you and build that into your career experimentation. I love it. That's that's such great last advice. <laughs> I don't think we do that enough. This has been such an amazing conversation and such a rich conversation, very practical. I think people will be really happy to have heard your perspective and to learn more about you and hopefully to join your crew. Well, I could talk about this stuff with you guys all day. This was so fun. Thanks so much for having me. 